Okay, guys, this is Jason back with you on Locked on Pirates, and I'm joined by a very special guest, none other than Pirates radio and TV broadcaster Joe Block. Joe, how are you today? Oh, better now that I'm talking to you, Jason. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll, I'll take your word for that, but we are very excited to have you. So I wanted to start off our talk by uh, something that maybe only 1% of our listeners will actually care about. So if you're the 1%, feel free to stay tuned. If you're the 99 join us in about two minutes or so. But I am an IT professional by trade, so I have to ask you, do you still use OneNote? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. And, and 1% may be giving it too much credit, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that um, uh, what happened uh, when I worked in Milwaukee, uh, there was a, a writer, uh, Luke Wynn, who was a fantastic writer. He was writing for Sports Illustrated, a profile on, on Uke, and uh, he wrote one line in the story, um, about his partner, just to give some some color, you know. And, and he said, you know, Euchre's there. He's got, uh, you know, some notes, and uh, but he he can create a game, you know, from his, you know, from what he sees in his mind and his, you know, great library of stories. And then there's his partner, Joe Block, who has, uh, you know, his lap, you know, his Microsoft Surface open to, uh, you know, OneNote, and uh, has a, you know, vast catalog of of uh you know stories and bio, bio, uh, biographical information that that he can draw from just to show a contrast well that one line alerted somebody at microsoft to um you know want want to get me uh you know some more information on what they're doing and 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 kind of almost uh, for a short time be a, a spokesperson for it which was very uh i i hadn't done anything like that but i was you know uh, very very uh uh uh, I use the product uh, a, a lot. I really much. I, I liked it very much. But basically, just to, for the, our one percent here, um, I, I've been using it for a number of years. It's just a way for me to catalog um, background information on players, um, stats, and other pertinent things for the game that day. And that way, I don't have to rewrite by hand a whole bunch of stuff every single day. I've got it and. You know, it syncs up to my phone or you know right. uh, my Surface or whatever and that kind of stuff. So that that's kind of what I do is um, you know if you hear me telling this you know fantastic tale from you know time long ago, <laughs> I probably have it you know from uh, from on my computer here from something that you know I, I had read or talked to somebody about or both uh, from years ago. Yeah, I mean, just as an IT guy, I had to I had to ask you about that. I couldn't resist it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's nerdy, but it works. <laughs> it's really nerdy, but it really works. So I, I enjoy it. It's um, it's helpful too. For instance, um, you know, if I'm down in the clubhouse and I talk to somebody and and I get a little note or whatever, I can just you know put, uh, stash it in there real quick, and that way I don't forget it because I have a terrible memory uh, beyond maybe that day. So you know, now I I can make up for it. So little tricks of the trade, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to say welcome back to the 99% as we go on with Joe Block here. Um, but it's kind of a good segue for the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is you know, you've, sort of, you've certainly gotten a reputation, especially since you came to Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh market uh, became aware of you and got used to your style. You've become known for working you know, a lot of analytics into uh, or advanced stats into not only your broadcast but on Twitter and et cetera. So how would you say that the rise of analytics over the past few years has helped your broadcast? Well, I think, um, you know, I think um, when you make an assertion, if you can prove it, 
especially in, in today's climate, uh, media-wise, um, I think you should do that. I think you owe it to the audience. And so uh, I never want to, uh, and we're all, we're n- none of us are perfect, but I never want to be um, the guy that just jams some numbers down your throat because they sound cool or I want to try to sound important or smart. That's the completely wrong reason to do any of that. But, Absolutely. You know, yeah. And, and, and if it's garbled, if it doesn't make sense, it's not in context, it can turn off listeners. It turns me off when I'm watching or listening. Um, it doesn't make sense. I don't, you know, uh, have you ever uh, tuned into a uh, sports talk show and they've got this inside joke running and you're not an everyday listener so you don't know what they're talking about and you feel left out. So the last thing I want to do is try to make anybody feel left out, like you did with the one-note question. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding about that. But but so uh, when it comes to <laughs> but when it comes to you know um, to to illustrating something, I want if I'm going to give you a number, I want it to add light uh, to something we're talking about. And so you know, and it's harder to do on radio. It's a little easier to do on TV when you can see things. And take a moment and, and look at it and digest it a little bit. But um, and there are other things too. Is uh, you know if if I think the stat is too convoluted to use on the air uh, and too difficult to explain in in a reasonable amount of time, then I will use a stat and summarize it. And for instance, you know when we talk about Gregory Polanco's ascendance, you know these last two months since moving off the plate. Well, I've got heat maps and charts and and I've got. Uh, you know, things that I've looked at that prove that, you know, since he's moved off the plate, not only is he hitting the inside pitch and, you know, pitches on the inner third better, but he's also hitting pitches over the middle of the plate better with, you know, more often uh, he's getting a hit more, uh, a lot more power as well. So if I, if I told you, you know, you know, he has a 1300 slugging percentage and a 625 batting average on, you know, middle, middle balls in the zone since June 6th, that's going to make you want to, you know, probably throw up. So, I, you know, but I can just say what I just said prior to that and characterize it and still give you something. And maybe on Twitter I'll throw that up there, or maybe on TV if, if uh, you know, I'm working with John Wayner, uh, who loves to talk about hitting, obviously. Um, you know, maybe we can get into that. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's a way to do it. Uh, I think, um, you know, we don't always do it perfectly, but we're trying. And, and I think that's you know, something that um, hopefully helps the audience because, they, you know, every every front office in baseball uses a whole, you know, they have a, a a cast of people that just dive into numbers. And so if we ignore some of the things that may motivate decisions by major league teams, well, then we're not covering the team properly, you know. So I think there there needs to be some attention paid to that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we, we do that um, to everyone's satisfaction, or at least most. Yeah, I would say you do. And I, I identify with a lot of stuff that you just said coming as from a, mainly a writing perspective for me. And to the criticism of analytics, I like to say two things. I like to say, number one, these advanced numbers still explain what happens on the field. You know, you still have to have the game. The game is not going to go away. And then two, you know, people at one time thought on-base percentage was an advanced stat, too advanced, you know. So sure. I want to commend you on behalf of our listeners. I'm sure would agree that, you know, it's guys like you who are the front lines of, you know, the broadcast that kind of work, sprinkle these things in and slowly start to get that turn. Um, but have you ever had any 
real pushback from this when you started uh, working these in? And if so, how did you deal with that? Well, I stopped paying attention to people, uh, so that helps. Um, No, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I try to, um, you know, conversations like these help me, uh, you know, um, you know, if I listen to every, uh, you know, Twitter notification, I've I've since now stopped doing that because there's every opinion out there is available to me if I want it. So there's no, you know, there's no idea to, uh, you know, clear idea. I just, uh, you know, I've done this long enough now that I, I think I'm, I'm confident in what I'm doing, um, you know, trying to meld a whole bunch of things together. I mean, we have, you know, obviously in Pittsburgh, we have a, an older audience uh, for the most part. Uh, it's an older demographic. Um, I like history. Uh, I feel like I'm at least fairly well-read um, in some of the history of baseball. I like talking about the history of baseball sometimes. I like telling stories that I've heard that have been relayed to me or that I've read. And I certainly like um, to um, have our analysts tell stories. Uh, this is way more important than any of what I just said, but uh, have stories about them playing the game of baseball uh, or hanging out in the clubhouse or you know maybe bringing up a name from the past. Um, you know, let's have a Mike Diaz story. You know, uh, okay, sure, you know, right, you know um, whatever, you know. Um, you know, Rock was talking about playing in Denver in the minor leagues uh, as a visitor uh, the other day when we were out there. You know, stuff like that. I mean, that really brings the color to the broadcast. And, and baseball uh, especially because of the time that, uh, you know, and the pace of the game, you absolutely need to keep weaving that stuff in. There's never a substitute for that because baseball is always going to be a game of story. You know, it's been around for a century and a half. So um, I think that's the stuff that, as long as I'm doing that and, 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 and prioritizing that, you know, giving, first of all, giving you the game as it is right now. That's what everybody cares about the most is what is happening right now, what is the game, and characterizing that and, and giving you ancillary things around the game. And then depending on, obviously, where the game is uh, in terms of the score, in terms of, uh, you know, or how early or late it is, weave in some other things like that. But... So, so the stats, I think, help if I think it helps, you know, bloom a bud of a thought uh, or, you know, qualifies an assertion, great, we'll, we'll go for that. But otherwise, if we're filling time, I'm not going to, you know, try to come up with some numbers um, because I, I, would, I would say I would use 5% at most of the things that I collect every day hmm. on the air. I mean, I don't, I could, I could literally just read everything that I have for an hour. You know, and it would just make no sense. So I don't, I don't try to jam in things like that when we have free time. I'd rather use that time to, to talk about the history of the game or, or a funny story or something that the guys have or things like that. So hopefully, I'm given a whole balance of all those things to, um, you know, delight the senses of pretty much everybody out there, at least at some phase or another. Talk That's me. the idea, at least. Yeah, uh, talking with Joe Block of the Pittsburgh Pirates radio and TV broadcast team here on Locked On Pirates. And I uh, just want to ask a question about your process because, you know, anytime I have someone in your field, I'm just highly curious about how you go about things. So you mentioned um, weaving into the stories from guys like Rock and, and Bob Walk and Steve Lass. So can you, I don't want to ask you to give away your secret sauce, but can you give us just some... Oh, you can have it. Okay. It's half ketchup <laughs> and half barbecue sauce. Oh, that's... That's the best. That's that I'm going to have to try that. I've never really thought about yeah. doing that. Yeah. But how do you uh kind of 
pull these guys into you know, opening up. I, I imagine it's not so hard, but you know, I imagine it's like these guys being like a ball of yarn and you're slowly pulling one end. Um, so what's your thought process on really getting that out of them and getting that to the listener or to the viewer? Well, I mean, uh, baseball is an everyday game. So everybody has, you know, some days we're, you know, including myself, you know, I mean, we're a little bit more chatty and some days we're a little bit tired or, you know, whatever. So you kind of, you know, read the, uh, read the tea leaves. And then, um, you know, obviously the, the longer I work with everybody, the more I've heard stories or can um, piece together parts of their pasts and, you know, so much of what the play-by-play broadcaster does is connecting tangential points. You know, uh, all right, here's this, and this reminds me of this, you know, or whatever, you know, and, and then trying to weave that together to help, you know, illustrate something. Um, same thing with working with an analyst is, okay, um, we're seeing this right now, and this reminds me, you know, you know if they're not willing to bring that up on their own, um, you know, maybe I can prod them a little bit. Um, hey, didn't you also, you know, do the, you know, like I was saying a, a few minutes ago with Rock, uh, play, you know, I, I didn't know for a fact that he played in Denver, but I'm thinking, okay, so he definitely played in the Pacific Coast League. Um, I think it was with Calgary. Okay, right, Calgary would have played at Denver at that time before the Rockies had a team, you know, the team moved out in 92. Okay, yeah, that's that, that makes sense. Hey, didn't you play here? What was that like, you know? Um, so little things like that over time, you know, you start to build that up. Obviously, I'll blast his stories. I haven't heard a tenth of them yet, but <laughs> the ones that I have, you know, I can kind of piece together what, you know, he, uh, he might be interested in talking about. So, you know, the longer I work with guys, the, the easier it is for me to, to help, uh, you know, prod them along um, on days where they may not uh, volunteer the, uh, a story or an anecdote uh, as easily. So that's usually how I, I look at it. Sounds like there's really no way to fake it. It really has to be organic. Yeah, I mean, it's just two guys sitting there watching a ball game. Yep. And, you know, if you treat it much more seriously than that in in its construct, not, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I do hours of preparation every day. Our guys are, you know, talking to players and coaches, and uh, as as do I. And we do, you know, a good amount of uh, preparation for the game, of course, every single day. But when we arrive and we we're you know we're on the air it's two guys watching a baseball game and talking about it and if you get too far from that uh, it, it does a disservice to the audience it's not what um it's not what you want now obviously chemistry is something that can be cultivated i think only somewhat um you know if you're a real jerk face you're not going to cultivate chemistry but um but some, you know, some people connect a little bit better than others. That's just how life is. So I think uh, as long as uh, and, 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 and the good thing is, is this group um, welcomed me from day one. I felt immediately comfortable. I already knew the guys a little bit anyway from being in, in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped me, you know, kind of step in. But they were so welcoming right away that, you know, day one, we're, we're working together and, um you know, it was a very easy transition for me uh, to to you know have those kind of relationships and that kind of chemistry with everybody because um, I already know known them and they were so welcoming. So that combination hopefully comes across as you know two guys watching a ball game. I think it does. 
I think it does. And because you are with the team, you know, day in, day out, you obviously are something much more than just a casual observer. So we're going to ask you a few uh, Pirates questions, get back towards the actual game here, uh, talking with Joe Block of the Pirates radio and, broad, radio and TV broadcast teams. And like you said a little earlier, you've been a, a, a very interested watcher of Gregory Polanco's adjustments, specifically backing off the plate, as you said. I think the uh, main criticism that a lot of folks have with, with Polanco is that the peaks and valleys are there, as they would be with many, many, many players. But his valleys seem to last quite long, quite a while. Um, is there anything that you're seeing in this latest iteration of Polanco that could suggest that maybe those valleys won't last so long when they come next time? Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? I mean, everybody that's at the major league level can perform at an elite level for some time. Uh, can they do it um, you know, more often than not? Can they do it two-thirds of the season? Can they do it three-quarters of the season or five-sixths of the season or, or whatever? Uh, when you start getting into those areas, you know, now you're going from you know, an average player to an all-star uh, to an MVP. And uh, you know, in Polanco's case, you know, we're, we're seeing an extended period of time. I talked to him the other day about it. Um, the health is something that he points to. Remember all the Instagrams of him you know, working out in, in public parks <laughs> and things like that, you know, he cited that as, as being very helpful because, um, you know, now he's not on the DL every other month or whatever, and that just that just makes it a, a horrible time for you to try to get your timing at the plate to try to have any consistency. So, um, so that was in large part to a lost season last year. If you look back at 16, now that first, say, four months of the year, um, he was fantastic and had and had a slide toward the end of the year. Um, so, um, you know, where is he? Well, I, I think that the number one thing that's happened, you know, other than the tangible adjustment, just moving off the plate and, and being better able to handle pitches, uh, is just growing up. And, you know, I, I think something that, the, you know, the, the Archer trade reminded me of this uh, with Meadows and Glass now uh, being traded away, you know, uh, and glass now being under a microscope and and will continue to be um, you know as we you know uh, mm-hmm. evaluate the trade through the years but um, you know guys almost never i mean Juan Soto uh, you know guys almost never come to the major leagues and get it and start off great it, it almost never happens and the guys that do uh, you know are perennial all-stars or or hall of famers or you know MVPs and things like that um, those are the very elite. And then most of everybody else, I mean, go back and look at, at Greg Maddox or John Smoltz or, or Tom Glavin, uh, you know, some of the best pitchers in the last you know, quarter century or so, and look at their first three years, for instance. Uh, you know, um, and you're going to see varying results. You're going to see inconsistency. Um, you, you know, and that's just something that some, some people that came off the top of my head, but you look at pretty much anybody, you know, those first three years, four years, two years for some guys, what have you, um, you're going to have a whole lot of inconsistency. A- and then they start to, to blossom and, and, and become uh, the player that you're hoping that they were going to be. But it takes a while, a lot of times, just about all the time. So I think in Polanco's case, we're seeing that. We're also seeing that defensively, too. Um, you know, um, I think all of us would watch, you know, the games could have told – you and, you know, told Polanco in May, I mean, we're not hitting coaches. Hey, move off the plate. You know, you're getting tied up, on, you know, you're yanking everything in the right field seats. Um, but he finally did it. 
you know, and it's like, well, why didn't he do it? Well, sometimes you think you got something figured out when you're 25 years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about being 25 and thinking thinking you got to figure it out. Well, uh, I, I think part of that maturity is starting to come through. Hey, maybe I don't have everything figured out. Let me try this. Wow, it works. Wow, okay. Um, you know, talking with Kamara Barti the other day, the outfield coach of the Pirates, you know, Polanco is getting it in the outfield. Yes, I need to, you know, I need to put more work in, you know, more in a concentrated way, not just, you know, going out and doing the reps, but, you know, okay, really thinking about situations, really thinking about, okay, what do I need to do here to, to play this caramel to Clemente wall, you know, or not being afraid of going to the wall, for instance, or things like that, things that he's looked like he's done before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not happening as much or very rarely now. So, you know, in his case, you know, he's also been under a microscope because you see the immense talent there, but he's realizing it now. And, you know, some of that has to do with simply being a little bit more mature, having some humility because things have not always gone as, as well as he'd like them to be. And some of it is, you know, just more concentrated, focused, you know, you know direct work on, you know, those weaknesses to try to minimize um, those inconsistencies. So we're seeing that with Polanco. We're seeing that with a number of young players, um, especially out of the Pirates' bullpen, for instance. It's all kind of coming together. And you're starting to see the makings of an interesting young core now with the Pirates, which, you know, maybe in February I didn't quite uh, foresee. But it's, um, it's really starting to come together, which is nice. Yeah, and part of that is this bullpen, which uh, every club, or most clubs, I should say, um, build their bullpens this season. The bullpen they started the season with is never going to be the one that sees the most time or or is the most uh, relied upon, memorable, however you want to say it. But with this bullpen in particular, how surprising was it for you to see these guys like Edgar Santana, Richard Rodriguez, Crick after he started the season at AAA, and now Kella, of course, just bloom into a very intriguing bullpen? How has it been for you to see that develop over the course of the season? Yeah, I can't characterize one you know, one guy uh, out of that, I think, you know, I can pick him apart. You know, in Santana's case, you know, he opened our eyes to spring training a couple of years ago. You, you saw that great slider. You saw that plus fastball, and you're thinking, all right, um, you know, when this guy figures it out, he's going to be pretty good. Um, how quickly do guys figure it out? Uh, he's stepped in pretty quickly. Give him credit. Um, you know, in the off season, he changed his change-up grip uh and started to throw it with some conviction to lefties he was very good early against lefties he lost confidence in it the lefties started hitting him pretty well that's when he had a little bit of a a buckle there in maybe late may early june and then he you know decided to start doing it again and and sure enough okay uh and he's been pretty good i mean he's been very reliable uh rodriguez i mean stunt you know has stunned us i mean even the pirates oh, would yeah. probably tell you at best you know, we thought maybe he'd be, you know, a bullpen piece at the major league level, but certainly not a guy as relied upon as he is. I mean, you know, he's a 28-year-old minor league free agent. You're not usually thinking those guys are going to be a, a key part of your bullpen that right away. But they did like him. They did think something of him where, you know, a lot of other teams did not. So um, we did see that kind of that some funny swings on that upstairs fastball thinking, okay, that, that's that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, but obviously, I don't think anybody would have predicted the su- success that he's had. Uh, you know, he's been really reliable too. Um, in Crick's case, you know, coming over to a new organization, didn't see a whole lot of him in the spring, or at least I didn't. You know, sometimes we, I miss. You know, we don't do all the games in in the spring, so um, I didn't see him a lot. And you know, I'm looking at past numbers. The walks have always been a thing. But same thing with you know Rivero slash Vasquez too. 
walks were always a big thing with him. Sometimes guys just, you know, they get around it. And, you know, Crick's walks numbers are still high, but they don't really feel like they've played it much of a factor in his season at all. Um, so, you know, and, and he's gotten more and more confidence. Um, he's been in a trusted role, which helps, you know, guys uh, bloom. You know, Clint is very good at, um, you know, and I know he gets a lot of criticism for playing veterans, um, but when he has young guys that show that they can play, he plays them, you know. Um, and I think that's what's, uh, you know, what's been good about the bullpen is that, uh, you know, he's given them the roles because, well, you know, these are the guys, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to give you an opportunity, and they've taken it. Um, so it's been fun to watch those guys ascend uh, throughout the season, and, um, you know, they've all been huge, hugely important um, because bullpens, obviously, there's such a greater emphasis on bullpens these days, not only in the postseason, but also now in the regular season. You see all the big free agent contracts last uh, offseason when, you know, most of them went to relievers. So uh, the Pirates getting a lot of guys, having that depth, um, you know, and, and, and some of those guys, you know, the cream rises to the top. They have a creamy bullpen. I don't think that's the right word to describe a bullpen, but... I want to thank you for giving me the title of this podcast just now. I really appreciate that. Let's work for me. Yes, I always want to say something really dumb, and uh, especially right at the end so people remember it. So I'm good at that. Okay. So just one last thing for you here. Um, so you mentioned that some of these names are, are new faces to the club, and it kind of hit me the other day just how much of an injection of new faces this club has had year to year. Of course, that's true for a lot of teams in baseball, but we're talking about the pieces that came over in the Cole trade, the McCutcheon trade, and the recent in-season trades. From your perspective and someone in your position, how invigorating can it be for your, for your day-to-day work and your field when a team brings in so many new faces like the Pirates have? I don't, you know, I don't know if it's invigorating. I mean, you know, the Archer trade, well, first the Kelly trade I thought was invigorating, and the Archer trade... You know, mid-season, uh, the Pirates are going for it. Uh, you know, this team has played well. Um, but obviously, you know, you look at, okay, all right, let's compare them to the Red Sox. You know, if they're the you know, the upper echelon right now, okay, well, they could use more help, of course. You know, I mean, uh, just about everybody could say that uh, compared to what Boston's done this year. So, okay, um, they're getting help. This is great. Uh, so I think that's invigorating just like it is for, for any Pirate fan. Um, you know, for me, I think, um, you know, we've seen a lot of turnover because you're trying to look at things, um, you know, let's maximize value. You know, I'm repeating a lot of Neil Huntington's phrases here, but, you know, trying to maximize value, trying to, you know, uh, get the best player at each position, uh, you know, on the field uh, that you can for each season, uh, you know, and try to have enough uh, depth and, you know, uh, guys in the rotation in the bullpen every year. And, you know, I think we lead with our heartstrings quite a bit, uh, you know, going back to the mm-hmm. you know, McCutcheon trade, um, you know, uh, just seeing him, you know, th- this weekend, uh, you know, and Bonds is, um, you know, of course, this management was nowhere <laughs> long, you know, <laughs> came way after Bonds, uh, you know, not coming back. But you think, of, you know, wouldn't you love to have, you know, Bonds, uh, you know, have, have played, you know, his entire season in Pittsburgh or entire career in Pittsburgh. Same thing with Kutcher. You know, it, what a nice thing that is. But you look at, you know, for instance, I mean, if you look at, you know, uh, Kutcher's slugging percentage right now, um, I think there are 
eight or ten pirates that have a better slugging percentage than McCutcheon right now. You know, I, that's just off the top of my head. So, you know, would he he wouldn't start on this team. So, you know, you look at that kind of stuff and you go, oh, well, you really have to make a, a tough decision there. You know, and, and there are many other decisions that have to be made. You, know, you look at Glasnow and Meadows, what if those guys end up being, you know, really good players? Well, you know, on this team right now, the Pirates have a lot of starting pitching options. They have a lot of, you know, outfield options, especially if you look at uh, the guys that they acquired in Martin and Reynolds, um, you know, in those, uh, in those trades you talked about. So, um, and, and they've got three really good guys right now that are all better than Austin Meadows right now. So the Pirates are trying to win right now, in addition to the future, of course. Um, so you've got to make that trade. But what if those guys are really good? What, they could have been Pirates. Well, you know, so it's really it's a difficult thing to do. But in, in terms of, uh, for us, it's invigorating when the team's trying to win, of course, just like it is for the players, just like it is for the fans. But uh, it's an interesting thing because the Pirates, like a lot of teams, as you said, Jason, you know, they've got to try to make, you know, the most of, of what they've got at every moment, not even just at a deadline and in the off season, but really, you know, throughout the year, every year, almost every day, it feels like. So, um, so the, it's you're going to see turnover in baseball. Uh, we've already seen it uh, in, in all 30 teams. There are very few players that stick around forever. So, um, you know, with one team. So that's going to be the kind of thing that uh, you know it, it's already become the new norm. Uh, it is the norm, and. Uh, you know, so we just roll with the punches. Hey, you got who we got? Echeverria today? Okay, all right, all right. I'll look some stuff up. So that's you know kind of how we we look at it. All right. Well, this has been a, a very enlightening conversation for me. So thank you for taking some time for us on uh, Locked On Pirates. His name is Joe Block. Of course, you'll hear him and see him on Pirates Telecast, and also follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore Block. Joe, thanks very much. Have a creamy day. <laughs> that was really weird that I said that. But no, I have, Jason, have a great day. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Joe.